Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So good to see you here. I want to say hello to everyone who's joining us online as well. Pastor Calvin is there, and he loves when you say hello. So send him a little wave, say hi right now. If you have any prayer requests, you can instant message him, and uh, we'll take that seriously. We'll follow up. We want to care for you and love you as well. So <clears throat> I don't know if you uh, guys remember a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald, but it was in uh, 2005, if you've ever read the book or heard of it, One Red Paperclip. Um, he was sitting there at his desk, and he saw this little red paperclip. It was just there, and he said, I, I think I could do something with that. And so he took it, and he, he traded it online, and uh, the first thing he got was a, uh, it was a fish pen, uh, kind of went up there, and then he kept trading it. And uh, his big breakthrough, actually, he moved up to this, uh, like, party, instant party, and there was an empty keg and a Budweiser sign and a little IOU that it would be filled with any kind of beer that they wanted. And and then there was a comedian, actually, in Canada who saw that and traded his snowmobile, a ski-do snowmobile, for this instant party. And from there, it just kept going, and 14 trades later, he had this, Uh, and it started with a a red paperclip. And it reminds me of Luke 19, verse 11. And so if you have your Bible, Luke 19, verse 11, it says, while they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable, a story. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So everyone thought that Jesus was gonna come in, overthrow the Roman government, but he was there for a different mission as we know. And Jesus said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. So a minus is worth probably about three months wages. So this is a lot of money that he gives them. And he says, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king, which of course reminds us what Jesus is facing right there at that moment, where the Pharisees and everyone else is pushing back, no, we don't want Jesus. But I think this is really important for us to see in verse 15, it says, but he was made king, however, and returned home. And I just want to remind you that there's many people right now who aren't too interested in Jesus, but you got to know he is king. And he will be king and he will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So he will be made king. He is made king. And then he sent his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. And his master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it and I laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in. You reap what you did not sow. And his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in, reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And I think Jesus tells us that, just to remind us that everybody can do something. I mean, with hardly even trying. You can just put the money in the bank. 
I mean, just show up, just be involved. And just by like being there, I can use you if you'll submit and invest for me. And then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away from him. And what I wanted to bring you here too is that you have something. God has given you something and he has an expectation for what he's given you. That you're actually gonna invest it and then you're gonna do something with it for the glory of God. And you see here that there's this amazing kingdom principle called multiplication. And that when we take the little that we have and we put it before God, that he always grows it into something amazing and something huge and something big. And, and I love how they come and they take this one minus and then, and then from it they get 10. So that's a pretty great return. But then just for that, he says, okay, and here's your reward. 10 cities, boom. And here's your reward, five cities. And God is a God of multiplication. And see, when we're faithful with a little, just more and more and more comes. But you have to understand right here, I think what's so important is the view that this man has of God. And see, what you do with what God has given you is so dependent on how you look at God. So if you look at God as stingy, then what do you do? You hold on. And if you look at him as giving and kind, you know, if you're afraid of God, what are you going to do? You're going to hold on. You're like, okay, I'll do it because I have to. And it's so different than just to be in love with Jesus. Say, all that I have, God, it's for you. I want to do everything I can to glorify you. And the question I have, first of all, is how do you see God? Because it's shown in the way that you live for him. And then the second one is what do you have? What has God given you? And what are you doing with it? How are you investing it? I mean, if that guy can take a red paperclip and turn it into a house, surely, surely you can do something big with what God has given you. And he would say, well, that was an anomaly. That'll never happen again. It happened again. Demi Skipper did it in 2020. She had a bobby pin, and this is where it ended up. And she invested that bobby pin and just kept trading up and trading up. Now, what do Kyle and Demi have that I don't have? Well, tech savvy, that's the first thing. But the second thing is determination. It's a mindset. And they looked at that and they said, you see, I would see a paper clip, I would see a bobby pin, and they would say, this is potential. This is something. And if I stick with it and I keep innovating and I keep finding ways, I can take this little paper clip and I could do something amazing with it. But I have something that they don't have. And that is a different goal. And I'm not looking for a house. I'm looking for the kingdom of God. I want to see his will to be done down here on earth as it is in heaven. I want God to make the very most of this life that I, we bring as many people into life and freedom that we possibly can. And I want to see Jesus glorified. And I want to see his kingdom advance. And so the question is, what has God given me? What has God given you? And it's so much more than a paperclip. He's given you your intellect, your work, your ability, your blood, your sweat. I mean, you have all these things. And surely, if a guy could turn a paperclip into a house, surely, if you determine that you're going to do it, you can take what you have and you can see God overflowing in your life 
doing amazing things if you decide, I'm gonna do this for Jesus. Now our theme for the year that I believe that God has given us is overflowing. And I talked about it last week. And if you, if you heard, haven't heard last week, please go online and check it out. And I talked about the heart of 2 Kings chapter 4. And what we see here is there's this woman and uh, her husband, who's a prophet, has died. And she can't pay her debts. And they're coming to take her kids away into a prison to pay off the debt. And she goes to Elisha, the prophet, and says, I'm in trouble here. Elisha says, well, what do you have? And she says, well, I've got some oil. And he says, well, go out and get all the jars that you can. And she brings in all these jars and then closes the door. And with a little oil she has, she starts pouring it. And that little oil just keeps going and keeps flowing and it fills up one jar. And she pours it and it fills up another jar and it fills up another jar and it keeps going. And I want to bring you back to chapter four, verse three, where Elisha, before the oil starts pouring, he tells her, now go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. And I want to tell you that you and I, we need more jars. Listen, in your life, you need more jars for all that God wants to do. You cannot contain all that God wants to pour out in your life right now. We cannot contain all that God wants to do. He wants to pour it out because he is a God of maximizing, a God of multiplication, a God of abundance. And so you come and you've got your little jar and, and you fill it with righteousness and you do it God's way. And what does God do? He just brings more righteousness out and then it spills out into your world and righteousness blesses your spouse and it blesses your kids and it blesses your parents and your teachers and your boss and it blesses your world because that's what God does with the little that we bring to him. Or you speak truth and you stand on truth. And it overflows and it multiplies. And then people who are dying and people who are broken, broken, those words come into their hearts and they multiply and they produce a harvest and they change and transform because we serve a God of multiplication. And we need more jars. We need to come in and say, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do, it's all yours. And watch him multiply it if you submit it to him that way. Now, our mission as a church, it hasn't changed. Our mission is to love God and to love others. And it comes from the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives us. But I want to talk this week, I want to talk about vision. And I want to talk, last week where I talked about the heart of it, I just want to talk about the practical living out vision. And I believe that God has given us a vision. And, and so there's vision, there's things like um, what we want to see the youth building tripled in size. We really do. That's a, that's a hope and a prayer that I have for this year because we, we can't contain our kids. We have too many youth right now for our youth center. So we, we need more space for them. But I'm not talking about that. I'm actually talking about something much bigger, something much, much more permanent than a building. What I'm talking about is a vision for who we are and who we're becoming. Talking about a vision for you and a vision for me and a vision for us together. And I believe that God is calling us, church, all of us together to be a place where we all give, we all grow as we gather. And I want you to understand when I say give, I'm not talking about money. I know that's part of it. What I'm talking about is what God has given you. I'm talking about your paperclip. Talking about his gifts and his talents and the things that he's invested in you. He's like, okay, here it is. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to see me go forward? And it doesn't have to happen here. It just has to happen for the kingdom, in the kingdom. A friend of mine, uh, just he gave me an uh, application for uh, working at Life Choices, and I need to give him a reference for it. I'm like, fine, I don't care. Life Choices, go anywhere, do whatever, but make sure that you are giving to the kingdom. That's what we're meant to do. 
and a place to grow where we all gather, where we're all discipled and we're discipling one another and we're moving forward in Jesus as we gather. You may have heard of a church in Denver called Potter's House, a huge church. And so they, they recently, um, so they closed down for COVID and they just recently decided we're not opening back up. They decided that they're going to uh, sell their building and now they're doing all sorts of great inner city ministry and that's going to keep going. But I want to tell you, that is not how we're going to do it. We need one another. We need to gather. Now, if you have T.D. Jakes, which they have as their preacher, I guess you can go all online. But for us, we need to get together. We need your gifts. We need to sharpen one another. We need to grow together. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been with us online and you live in this area, listen, I, if you're sick or you're concerned, I understand that. But, but it's time to come back. We need you here. We need you to be part of this. We need to gather together to move forward. That's just how God has built the church. And why? Why do we give and grow as we gather? Well, the first, because God has given each one of us a trust. God has put it in our hands. And said, here's your talent. Here's your minus. What are you going to do with it? And we sharpen one another and we help one another. And when we do it together, it's multiplied together. And here's the second reason. Because you and because I, and we know Jesus. And we know who he is and we know what he's like and we know what, he's, what he does. It's like, oh, what, what else could I do but serve you? What else can I do but to lay it all down for you? What else can I be except a man for the kingdom of God because you've just been so good to me? How else could I possibly thank you? And here's the third reason why we need to move forward in that way. is because every single one of us who are in Christ are set apart for Christ. See, God loves everyone, but, but according to Scripture, not everybody is his child. See, something happens when you give your life to Jesus and you come into the family. And as soon as you say, yes, okay, I received Jesus, I say yes to what he's done, I put my faith in him, Jesus is my Lord, God comes and he consecrates you, he sets you aside and he says, okay, you're mine. Now that you're in the family, you are set apart and set aside for a special purpose. And you don't live like the world lives anymore. And it's not about you and it's not for you, but it's for greater things. It's for powerful things. And that's why, I don't know if you're like me, but, but I think that's why a lot of us, when we watch those movies about the reluctant hero, we're like, come on, get in there. You know, when you're walking, Mr. Anderson, Thomas Anderson, Neil, you're like, come on, take the red pill. Get in there. Start fighting. <clears throat> or every single Bruce Willis movie that you've ever seen. Come on, Bruce. Start fighting. Get in there. Why do we do that? Why does that resonate with us? Because every single one of us, I believe, is saying, there's got to be more. There must be more. And I want to tell you, there is. Ecclesiastes 3.11, or maybe it's 1, says that he has set eternity. I think it's 11. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. He's put eternity in your heart. See, we're, we're meant to say, okay, there's more. I'm going for more. I'm going for the kingdom. I'm going towards heaven. I'm going to go forward there. And that's what's yearning. That's, what you're, that's calling you right now. To be kingdom people. To be, to be heavenly people. So we all need a place to give. We, you know why? Because you need it. You were meant to be giving. You were meant to be pouring out as God just keeps pouring into you. And isn't it amazing? The more that we look to this world for satisfaction, the more we try to find satisfaction here, the less we have it. And my experience is, the more I'm looking to heaven, the happier I am here. 
Isn't that odd how that works? Here's the problem. You see, American Christianity, listen, we just live in a, in a consumer world. And so we are used to being consumers in everything. And don't fool ourselves. Listen, it has come into our churches. It's come into our faith. It comes to the way that we even experience God. So we consume and we consume, but God has something different for you. You're set apart for something greater. And you're not meant to be a consumer. You're meant to be a contributor. I want to show you, I've got a little slide that put together. I just was thinking about what's the difference between a consumer and a contributor, especially in the kingdom of God. And so a consumer comes to the work of God, to this place, to anything and says, my feelings and my experiences drive and direct me. Does this feel good or doesn't? Because all I want is feel good. And a contributor says, no, my obedience to God and my impact on others, that's actually what drives me. Now, here's the thing about feelings. And this is really, really countercultural. But I personally, I believe sometimes it's good to feel bad. Now, I'm not saying that you're supposed to feel guilty. Guilty, Guilt's not from God. I'm not saying we're all supposed to be like grumpy, dour Christians like, ah, I love Jesus. You know, that's, that's not at all what I'm saying. We're supposed to be filled with joy. But you know what? Discomfort isn't always bad. Bad feelings aren't always bad. I mean, growth is difficult. Growth is hard sometimes. How about this conviction has, has the Holy Spirit ever convicted you of a sin? Did it feel great? I mean, not at first, right? Now, that's the difference between guilt and conviction. Conviction, the Holy Spirit comes and you're like, oh, and there's always a way forward. There's always a way out. He's asking you to do something else. Guilt comes to you and it's like, oh, and there's nowhere to go. You're stuck in it forever. And God never brings guilt. God brings conviction. There's always a way forward with him. But you know what? Honesty, to be honest with who we are, that doesn't always feel good. I mean, change, it's not always self-flattering. Sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, gross, gross, that's in me? I can't believe what I'm doing. That doesn't feel good, but oh, I need it. And life comes from it, right? So we're not driven by our feelings. We're driven by our obedience, impact, hunger to change. All right, consumer says everything is disposable, everything is replaceable. This is a plague in our relationships right now. Just throw away. If you don't like it, you just throw it away. Find a new one, right? Contributor says, uh-uh. God's work, God's church, God's people are infinitely precious. Infinitely precious. That's one of the great things about living in a small town. So I grew up in Denver, lived in Fort Collins for a long time. And what you do there is if you don't like a relationship, you just throw it away and you find a new one. But what happens here in the small town, you throw away the relationship and guess what? You see it in Walmart the next day. (laughs) Right? So you can't do that. You got to deal with these things. I mean, I like it. I'm glad. You know, I've been doing this job now for 14 years. And there are some people who used to go to this church that don't go to this church. And if I couldn't handle that, if like that was too much for me, I could never leave the house. They're everywhere, right? And what I remember is those people, whether they do what I want them to do or not, are infinitely precious. They still matter to God. And since they matter to God, they are going to matter to me. And I'm gonna hold them as important. I'm gonna care for them. I'm gonna love them because they are so precious. We do the same thing with churches. We do the same thing with family. 
We can't just throw them away. People are not disposable. We're contributors, not consumers in our relationships. All right, consumer says, everything is designed for my satisfaction. Boy, we are so, so used to this, like the whole experience. I mean, this is what companies do for us, is they make it all about you. See, but that's not what a contributor says. My experiences are actually there for my growth. They're for my change. They're for me. They're for other people as well. And then the last one, if you require too much, I'm gone. Forget it. Uh, you guys, you're hurting my, my vibe here, and I, I, that's not how I want to do it. But a contributor says, no, what else can I help with? What else can I do? And I'll tell you, one of the side effects of a consumer Christianity is we have a church in our country full of under-challenged, underdeveloped, and unsatisfied Christians. Underdeveloped, underchallenged, and unsatisfied Christians. You know, there's a, if you want to, you can go to Telluride and uh, you can hook your bike. You're in the summer, you can hook your mountain bike on the side of the lift and it'll take you up there and you get to go down. And uh, in fact, you can buy body armor there, rent body armor to do that if you want. And I've done it a few times, but you know what? The only muscle that it works is this one. And I don't like it. I just, you know what? I, I like to work. And I like to challenge. I mean, mountain bike, I just like to like struggle and struggle and struggle. And you get up there and your lungs feel different and you're alive. You're like, yeah, I earned this. And there's something just about the work and the struggle that's just so good that, that we're actually robbing ourselves of as we throw things away and just say, no, it has to be all about me. Now, I understand. We, I think most of us, at least I, I know I came to Jesus 100% a consumer save me, help me, change me, protect me. Me, 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 Jesus, right? See, but there has to be a shift where it's not about me anymore. If I'm gonna grow up, it actually has to start being about something else besides me. That's what maturity is. My uh, daughter, Joy, she's 18. She went to a YWAM DTS in Tyler, Texas, and she came back this winter. She's actually there again. But uh, as she came home, I remember our first meal together when she came home and we're all eating and, you know, we get done with dinner and she gets up and she just starts doing the dishes. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> what happened to my daughter? You know what happened? She started to grow up. See, th th here's the thing. I don't know about at your house, but in life here at church, so many people say, oh, I'm not getting fed. I'm not getting fed. Listen, children get fed. Grown-ups contribute. Children get fed. Grown-ups contribute. Can you imagine if I went home and I went and I was like, hey, Gina, I'm not getting fed around here. You know what she would say? There's the fridge. Go feed yourself. Are you a contributor? Are you a grown-up? Are you a child? We feed our children. The adults, the mature ones, we contribute that's how we go forward. And it's so ironic to me that contributors, they're the ones who are having the most fun. They're the ones who are full of joy. They're the ones who are full of life. They're the ones who aren't complaining. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys know Bill Slater. He's one of our ushers on Saturday night and he helps with youth ministry. And I, I have never seen that guy anything but smiling at church. He is always happy. And you know why? I think it's because he is always working his butt off. He's just engaged, he's contributing. He's on mission and he's loving it. I mean, who learns the most in a class? Always the teacher. 
I, I always learn so much more than you do when I get ready for Sunday. Because I dig in there and it's like, this is what I share, this is what I don't share, right? Who, who's most blessed on a mission trip? It's not the people who receive the work, it's the missionary. They're the one who are transformed the most. Who loves the king of kings more than anyone else? It's the one who's serving him, living for him, submitted to him. So what do you have? What has God put in your hands that he's asking you to give for the kingdom of God? In our theme passage here, regarding that, it comes from 1 Peter. And it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And it says, each one of us, not some of us, not the super gifted ones, not them, not the ones who have been serving Jesus for 40 years, each one of us should use whatever gift. The big ones that everybody sees, the little ones that no one knows of, uses whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Do you see this? These are all various forms of God's grace before us right now. And if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. See, this is why we need the Holy Spirit so desperately in this work that we do. And if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power and forever and ever. Amen. You know, I did a funeral um, a few weeks ago for my dear friend, Rod Martin. And uh, I, I told the, the story of how he got started in ministry. And my understanding of how he got started is he was at a church and he looked up and he saw a, like a leaky or broken water cooler. And he said, hey, I can fix that. I can fix that swamp cooler. So he climbed up there. I don't even know if it was his church and he fixed it. And then he, he talks about how he would go to churches and he would see weeds all over the parking lot. And he's like, this is no good. This is not a good representation of Jesus. And he'd just start picking the weeds. And that's how he lived his life. And I mean, he served so much here. You know, my kids, when they were little, they, they honestly, they thought that Rod owned the church. He's like, he's the guy who owns the church. And he made a legacy off of that. That was his paperclip. I can fix a swamp cooler. I can pick a weed. And he has a beautiful, amazing legacy just of doing what he knows how to do. What do you have? I want to show you a, a testimony here uh, from a member of our church, and, and she's taken what she has, and, uh, and she's glorifying Jesus with it. So let's go ahead and show that, please. Hi, I'm Maggie Cleves, and I'm the leader of Covered by Grace, the quilting ministry here at Grace. We're excited about a new direction God is taking us. A few months ago, one of our members came to me with a burden to teach sewing to the women at House of Promise. House of Promise is a Christ-based, non-profit program for women who are struggling with life-controlling issues and substance abuse. It is run by Teen Challenge 180 Ministries. I know I shouldn't be surprised when God goes before us and clears the obstacles even before we ask, but when I mentioned this to Pastor Carl and Gina, they told me that money had already been set aside for small group outreach projects. Thanks to Grace, we are able to furnish new and refurbished sewing machines, sewing kits, and other supplies needed to teach four or five women how to sew. If you are interested in joining us, you can contact me on the Grace website by clicking on Covered by Grace. 
We can't wait to share our love of Jesus and our love of sewing with these women and see what God does in all our lives. Now, if you've uh, been here uh, for a while, you've actually heard me brag on Maggie Cleaves before, and you might be thinking, like, why are you always talking about Maggie Cleaves? And there's two reasons. And the one is because I cannot think of something less likely or something that I dislike more than sewing. And then that she keeps using this to bring glory to Jesus. It just blows my mind. I'm like, how can that possibly happen? That's the first reason. And then the second thing is she keeps finding new ways to use it. That's why I keep talking about her. Like, I remember a long time ago, she said, okay, well, we're going to get together. We're going to make little booties and little hats for all the babies at the hospital. I'm like, you go, Maggie. And then she said, and now we're going to get blankets together. We're going we're to create these blankets. We're going to give it to homeless people. We're going to give it to people who need it. And, and even she gave some of the pastors. I'm like, yeah, you go. You go, Maggie. And now she's saying, and now we're going to teach people. We're going to take this thing sewing. Who ever thought sewing could be used for Jesus' glory? And we're going to take this and we're going to teach women who need help and just need to feel empowered. And we're going to empower them with sewing. And I love it. And I'm thinking if she can take that little thing and keep finding new and beautiful ways to glorify God, then surely if you'll apply yourself, surely if you'll decide, okay, what do I have? And I'll try this and I'll try that. Surely you will find a way to turn your paperclip into a house. Surely you're going to find a way to take this gift that God has given you to do something beautiful. And listen, I want to encourage every small group here that if you come up with the idea, we will find a way. We'll find a way to get you the funds that you need and the resources that you need. And guys, go out there and make something beautiful out of what God has given you. So we all need to give. Just how we were made. And set apart for it. And we all need to grow. That's the second thing. We all need a place to grow, a place to be disciple, a place to disciple to move forward in Jesus. We're just not meant to be stagnant. We're meant to move forward. It's because the process is called sanctification to become more and more like Jesus. And God does it in the context of relationship. Listen, I listen to a lot of sermons. Every week, I probably listen to three or four sermons from different people. And they're great. But the real transformation of my life happens in my D group and it happens in my life group. In relationship where I share what's going on in my heart. I was listening to Ern um, McManus, uh, one of those sermons just a couple weeks ago. And uh, there was a, a person that came up to him and said, Pastor, you know, I'm just not getting fed. And, uh, I, and I just, I want to go deeper. And he says, I can help you. And he said, okay, so you want to go deeper with God, right? Right. Okay, here, this is how you start. What sin do you need to let go of? And they said, oh, no, no, that's, that's not what I meant. I, I want to go deeper. He's like, yeah, see, that's actually going deeper. It's being changed. It's being transformed. And growth starts with knowledge. I mean, we have to know what's going on, right? But if it just stays as knowledge, it does us absolutely no good. Who had the most knowledge when Jesus was here? The Pharisees. They knew everything. And it was absolutely worthless to them. Their knowledge did nothing for them. Knowledge is no good. I mean, it's, it's wonderful and it's important, but it is nothing unless it's coupled with humility and application. See, growth is transformation. It's to change. It's not to know. It's to change. And it starts with knowing, but it has to come. And see, in the context of relationship, a small group, a D group, that's where we get to be shaped and challenged. And it's not always fun. Sometimes it's, it's hard. Iron sharpens iron. 
There's sparks that fly. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes they're annoying. And that's what God has called us into is connection with one another so that we can grow. You can't do it alone. That's just not how the kingdom works. In Ephesians 4, it shows us where we're going. It shows us what God has for us. In chapter 4, verse 14, he says, and then we will no longer be infants. We're not going to be children tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. No, there's something more for you. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. See, all of us together grows and builds itself up in love as, listen, each part does its work. Together builds itself up as each part does its work. I need my D group. I need my life group. I need to disciple. I need to be discipled. I mean, who thought up the idea of disciple? Jesus had 12 of them, 12 disciples. And what did he do? He shared life with them, connected with them. Our Lord showed us the model for discipleship, hang out together. You know, imagine that I would come here, you know, and for 22 minutes, every Sunday, I would run on the treadmill. And every Sunday I'm doing this and I come about after like two months, I say, hey, you know what? I, I am not getting in shape. I work out every single week. What would your first question be to me? Probably, have you ever thought about trying Wednesday? How about a second day? You know, it's like coming here and saying, I eat once a week and I'm not healthy. You gotta go in for more, right? And I'm asking just those, everybody needs to do those two things. You gotta find a place to give and you gotta find a place to grow as we gather. See, I need you and you need me and we need one another and that's just how Jesus does it. We are meant to do this together, to give and grow and finally, as we gather. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And I love this part, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, in the end times, people want to separate. Love grows cold. People want to get away from each other. And actually, as we move towards the end of our lives, as we move towards the end of this world, it's all the more important that we do it together. And so you can't, you can't go home and fix your fence or, or paint your deck and say, hey, I just did a service project. No, you didn't. You did a home project. We're meant to do these things together. And for the last 70 years in the church, 20% of the people have been doing 80% of the things and that's not going to take us forward. We can't do it that way anymore. The world has changed. Church has to change. We have to do it differently. It's all of us together now. We've all got to step in. And what if, just think about it, what if in your life, what if every single one of us got all the jars we can possibly find? And we just filled them and we filled them and we filled them. I mean, you, you couldn't hold it all. And what if every single one in this room says, I'm going to maximize what God has given me. I'm going to take my paperclip and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. I'm just going to keep investing and keep investing. And all of us were doing what we were called to do as far as we could. What if every one of us says, no, it's 10 minus for me. 
10. I'm not, I'm not gonna be satisfied with five. I'm not gonna be so satisfied with one. What if all of us decided that's how it has to be? Everyone said, I'm gonna live up to my kingdom potential and my kingdom call. And we all raised other people up and we all grew and we all changed and we transformed and we all became like Jesus. We'd all be living like Paul and James and Peter who are special because they were set apart, which is no different from you. You are set apart just like they were set apart. The church is changing right now and it's beautiful and it's powerful and it is all of us. It is all in. It is all with him. It is all together. It is all we have. It is all toward heaven and it is all for his glory. And let's take those things and say, okay, God, whatever I have, I'm gonna give it to you and maximize it, Lord. Make the most of it. And I'm gonna tell you what, he's going to fill you in your home and he's going to fill you in your church and in your job or in your school and it's gonna overflow and it's gonna pour out and it's gonna pour out and it's gonna be beautiful. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you have given us all gifts and talents and they're different and they're beautiful. And so, Father, we just come right now and we lay these things at your feet and we say all that we have, all that we are, they're yours. Lord, that you would take these things and, Lord, that you would make the most of our lives. And, God, it's not because we have to. It's not because we're afraid of you. It's because we love you. That you are worth every sacrifice we could possibly give. And, Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to do this together. Lord, that we would love one another and it would cover a multitude of sins and we would overlook our offenses, we would overlook uh, disagreements, Father, and we would connect and we would engage and we would gather, Lord, and we would be the bride, we would be the church that you would have us be. And we say, yes, Lord, here we are. Here we are, send us, use us, equip us. Lord, be glorified through us in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.